Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Alcantara, Soroka, you look so good in Boca. Peralta, Manoa, Balsak, Ferrer, Rinola, Gilito, Castillo, Yoshida, Friday and welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today on June 10th. Frank Sample joined by Scott White. Today on the show, we had some returns. Max Muncy, Steven Strasburg, Shane McClanahan was awesome once again. Week 11 preview, two-star pitchers, sleepers, and much more. But let's jump right in. Oh my good goodness gracious! You know, actually first, Scotty, the Atlanta Braves. They are hot, my friend. Eight in a they row. They are hot. Let's go. Thanks for noticing. Yeah, they're hot. They're 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 playing they're playing good ball. None of that bad ball. <laughs> Lineup's getting hot too. You love to see yeah, it. Yeah, no, they I'm yeah. I mean they are the, the the ball seems to be jumping more and and they are taking advantage. And yeah, things things are pretty uh, the Mets still have a big lead, but you know, there's a lot of time. <laughs> hey, there's a lot of wild cards too, so that could work out for the True. Braves. Uh True. I brought this up to Chris, I think yesterday. Matt Olson leads either all of baseball or the National League in doubles. Just like a very weird stat, and I would imagine many of those will turn into home runs in the near future. Yep. Yep. All right. Oh, my goodness gracious, Scott, who do you have from Thursday? I have Max Muncy. I have Max Muncy, who I have been skeptical of from the beginning of the season. He was, uh, you know, one of, one of my best candidates preseason and then had a terrible spring. Had a terrible first two months. Went on the IL with inflammation in that same elbow that made me skeptical of him in the first place because he has UCL damage in there that he's never had surgically repaired. And uh, even on his rehab assignment, he went two for 14 with six strikeouts. So like in, in every scenario, Muncie hasn't looked right. So of course, activated from the IL today. It's a double, a homer, drives in five runs. It was a It was a good performance. And he said that, you know, one of the Dodgers hitting coaches went with him on the rehab assignment to work on his swing, and they, they made some mechanical adjustments. He, he feels like he had a chance to get healthier. I don't know. Be beyond the offseason, what a couple of weeks is was supposed to do. That's what he said. So that's the positive way of looking at it. On the other hand, I will note, that aside from that double and home run, Muncie struck out three times. I will also note that the double and home run were both hit 100 miles per hour, which, especially for a home run, isn't particularly hard. And, and you know, he had, he had hit balls that hard before this season. The home run traveled only 362 feet, so it wasn't like a 
It wasn't like a moonshot. It wasn't like a blast. You know, moonshot, I guess, would be a high home run. But you know what I'm saying. Wasn't wasn't this monster dong. This is getting worse. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, I've, I still have some skepticism. I still have some skepticism. No, I, I do want to point out, because, like, I think people uh, get the impression that I'm rooting against Max Muncy. I want Max Muncy to be good. I mean, I, I came up in the time of Moneyball. Max Muncy is like my type of player. Okay. But I, I, you know, that, that, that elbow injury he suffered was so traumatic and, and, if it's not right, it's going to impact a swing. Obviously it's, it's, it's the main, it's, it's in the main elbow he uses in the swing, the left elbow it doesn't affect him defensively because he throws right-handed, but it would impact the swing more than, uh, than his throws, which is why he hasn't been limited on defense. And I just think, you know, it's, it's easy to look at the, bo- the, the stat line from today's game and say, oh, Max Muncy's back. I'm, I'm not ready to, to jump the gun on that. Hopefully he is, but I think there's reason to be skeptical still. And we know what the upside can be when he's going right. Last year was the 44th overall player in Roto. He averaged 3.4 fantasy points per game, which is frankly his better format just based on that plate discipline and his ability to hit home runs in one of the best lineups in baseball. And, you know, I kind of hate starting the podcast with the negativity, Scott, but we have to be realistic. And the situation says that this is is a pretty scary one for Max Muncie. So uh, I guess if we're going to do anything actionable, do... I don't, maybe try and capitalize on this first big game back and say, "Hey, Max Muncy's back. Do you want to tr- do you want to acquire him from me in fantasy? Like, is is that something you'd be trying to do?" Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's not a bad idea. It's not about if if you have doubts about Muncy like I do, but you have to do that, understanding that the deal you're you, you want to accept a deal, so that even if Muncy turns out to be back and and has the 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 season we're used to seeing from him you're still happy with what you got in the deal like it, it, it can't be a sell low situation mm-hmm. if it's a sell low situation let's just hold out and see where this goes yes Muncy's a very handy player to have if he's right he's eligible third base second base first base yeah no i mean that versatility is awesome too let's say all right so when he's going right scott he's like a top 50 player baking the injury risk i mean what are you realistically trying to ask for in return a Top 75 player? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Something like that, yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, if, if you can fill a need, that's not a bad idea. It's, it's easy to compare to, like, pitchers because there's so many of them, obviously. So, I don't know. If, if, if And there's not that many people out there who have pitching as a greater need than third base, for instance, where Muncie's eligible, as I just mentioned. But let's say you did... I mean, what sort of pitcher would I accept in return for Muncy? I would say... If you could turn him I, into oh, Jose Barrios right now, would you do that? I mean, that's the name that immediately first came to mind for me, but I, yeah. I don't think so. I don't think that's high enough. Okay. I think the other buy-low pitcher clear, if you believe in him, is Robbie Ray, but I don't well, know I don't know, I don't know if necessi- I believe in him. Yeah, I don't know that you need to buy low, necessarily. Uh I don't know. I, I guess Jose Barrios is about the right area. You've got like Kyle Wright, in, in, in my rankings anyway, Kyle Wright, Logan Gilbert. Uh, a little further up, I have Julio Arias and Max Freed. So, you know, I, I would want, and, and 
and this is just using pitcher as an example. Obviously, you could trade Muncie for something else if you need him more. But that's that's kind of the range of player I'm thinking. And if you can't get it, then just keep your fingers crossed because there, there is a chance Muncie was able to to cure what ailed him. Maybe it was as much mechanical as anything else, and and now he's going to get back on track. Yeah, you could try. I, I I think realistically, you probably won't get that type of player in return for Max Muncie just based on his overall numbers this season and his injury right. risk, but you could try. It doesn't hurt. Uh, I, Of course, I just said I don't like to start the podcast with negativity, and who is my oh-my-goodness-gracious player? Steven Strasburg. He makes his return, and I mentioned multiple times, like, I am rooting for the guy. I want to see him back on the mound. He is one of the best pitchers over the last decade, really, uh, and it's been awesome to watch him pitch, but unfortunately, this did not go very well. Uh, he allowed seven runs over four and two-thirds innings at the Marlins, which frankly is one of the best matchups in fantasy baseball. And his fastball averaged, wait for it, 90.3 miles per hour in this start. Last year, that was 91.9 miles per hour when he was pitching through injury. And when he was not even in his prime, if you look back at his last full season, 2019, he was still awesome. He averaged 93.9 miles per hour. So we're talking about, I mean, this was down almost four miles per hour from where he was at uh, back in his heyday. And there's a chance that he builds up over time. You know, maybe that velocity jumps a little bit, but Scott, he's coming off of a really rough injury for pitchers, thoracic outlet, and that coupled with this velocity, uh, I would say it's looking pretty grim right now for Steven Strasburg. Yeah, I said last time we talked about him, you know, announcing his return that I was surprised he was 80% rostered, that it seems like people in general had more confidence in Steven Strasburg than I did. Prior to this start, I had him 89th in my rest of season starting pitcher rankings. Somebody tweeted me today, oh, I need to activate Steven Strasburg. Should I drop, uh, should I drop, I don't know. He had a whole list of pitchers and included like Martin Perez, and I'm trying to remember all of them. But I told him, no, I, I think the one to actually drop if you have to is Strasburg. And so I, I'm glad for that reason that he didn't go out there and dominate because then I'd feel like an idiot. But but yeah, I, I don't have a lot of hope for him. And, and this first start back gave me even less hope. All right. Uh, yeah, so... It's a, it's, a, it's a difficult procedure to come back from. Thoracic outlet syndrome, particularly for a guy who's had a lot of trauma on his arm already and is in his mid-30s. You know, odds are against Strasburg for sure. It looks like he is in line for two starts next week, Scott, but I can't imagine starting him anywhere. He's going up against the Braves and the Phillies. Maybe that makes him a fortune favors the Brave pick. (laughs) Maybe. I wouldn't do it. There's some brave people out there. All right. And fortune, I've, I've heard, favors them. All right, you're jumping ahead in the rundown, but I'll yeah. let it slide just this one time. All right, that is Steven Strasburg. Let's talk about some pitchers who are actually awesome here on Thursday. Shane O'Mac, Shane McClanahan. Come on, my man. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Sixth quality start in a row. This time, a season-high eight innings pitched where he allowed one unearned run, nine strikeouts to just one walk, 20 more swinging strikes on 94 pitches. Again, spread out on those pitches. 11 on the fastball, 6 on the changeup, 3 on the slider. Had everything working. Now has 7-plus strikeouts in 11 of 12 starts a season. Leads baseball with 98 strikeouts. Lowers his ERA to 1.87 on the season. 
And Scott, I mean, even if you look at the underlying numbers, swinging strike rate, ground ball rate, K minus walk rate, everything is just amazing for Shane McClanahan. The only concern we have is that he's a second year pitcher. Are his innings limited at any point in the season? I think if Tampa really is trying to like compete and go for it, I don't see how they can limit him, but I guess it's possible. Have you taken stock of recently of how many innings he threw last year between everything, majors, minors, playoffs? No, but I can calculate that while you're Yeah, I'll, I'll talk for a little bit. So Shane McClanahan is first in swinging strike rate among qualifiers. I believe he's second and fit behind only Nestor Cortez, but he is first in XFIP by a lot. He has a 187 XFIP. Next closest is Kevin Gosman at 258. So like 80 point difference between number one and number two in terms of XFIP. And so like he's, he's been the best pitcher this year. I think it's fair to say up to this point. Uh, that, that doesn't mean he'll be the best pitcher the rest of the way, but it certainly means he's well equipped to be. And I agree. The, the main, the lingering question here is how many innings he has left how, which, which, you know, I don't imagine there'll come a point where the Rays just shut him down, but will they do like what the Brewers did with Freddie Peralta down the stretch last year and just, you know, give him these four inning starts among, among the, down the stretch over the last couple months, a lot of short starts for Shane McClanahan, maybe some skip turns here and there. Cause that would obviously hurt his usefulness in fantasy, but just in terms of how good is he? I, I mean, I think he's at least among the best pitchers in baseball. Yeah, I think on a per inning basis, right now he is probably one of the three best starting pitchers in fantasy baseball, alongside uh, Garrett Cole and uh, Corbin Burns. I mean, not to discount Justin Verlander, he's been awesome, but the strikeouts have just haven't been as great for him. Uh, the innings last year for Shane McClanahan. 129 total. He did not pitch in the minors, so he had a 123 and a third in the regular season, 5.2 in postseason play. So 129 last year, and then in 2019 in the minors, 120.2 for Shane McClanahan. So he's he's already at 72 and a third now, even though we're only about a third of the way through the season. So they the Rays have not been the least bit careful with his innings. He already has four starts of seven plus. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, he, he's going to have to slow down from that pace because that's you're you're talking over 200 innings. Yeah, could he get to 170? I could see 170, 180 might be even mm-hmm. pushing it though. My optimistic, since they, they're they're you know they're they're probably going to be anticipating a playoff run. Yeah, my optimistic projection coming into the season was like 160. Like if everything worked out and he's pitching well, he goes 160 innings. This is Shane McClanahan. Uh, so that is, yeah, I, I think that's what holds us back, or at least me, Scott. I mean, look, obviously Cole and Burns, they have longer track records, but if someone tweeted at me, they're like, he's the SP1 in fantasy. He doesn't have the track record, obviously, so I, I'm not ready to say that, but... I mean, we both yeah. have him sixth. Yeah. 
That's pretty good. Yeah, it's like how much how much higher do you want us to get, Shane McClanahan? Uh, speaking of those aces, by the way, Corbin Burns and uh, Garrett Cole, not the best days for those fellas. Corbin Burns has gone less than five innings, two starts in a row. He gave up three runs over four and a third. Uh, struggled with control in this one, had four walks, but also had eight strikeouts and 22 swinging strikes up against the Phillies. And then Garrett Cole, man, just a brutal outing. Uh, allows a career-high five homers at the Minnesota Twins. Every time he made a mistake, the Twins hitters were there to capitalize. So good on them. Hat tip to the Minnesota Twins. Uh, but Garrett Cole gives up seven runs total over two and a third innings pitched. Uh, his previous eight starts before this, he had a 2.03 ERA. It's got any actual concerns here with Burns or Garrett Cole or just rough days for both? I think just rough days for both. Uh, recently, we saw Justin Verlander give up four home runs in a start, and he's bounced back just fine from that. I expect Garrett Cole to do the same after this five home run start. Burns, you know, it's two bad outings in a row, but they're bad in different ways. He gave up some hits in the first of the two starts, had the four walks in this start, still had 22 swinging strikes. His velocity on his primary pitch, the cutter, was actually up more than a mile per hour. So I don't think. I don't think he's like losing it or anything. I would still I would still treat these like the number one and two pitchers in fantasy. The only thing I'll point out with Garrett Cole is during that recent eight start stretch where he was again amazing, really favorable matchups. He faced the Tigers, the Orioles twice, the Royals, the Rangers, the White Sox struggle against right handed pitching, and the Cleveland Guardians. So some good matchups there. I still kind of feel the same way I did coming in, Scott, where I don't think Garrett Cole is the super ace that he once was. Can he pitch to a three-ish ERA with a bunch of strikeouts and still a very good whip? Yeah, I think that's doable. Um, but is he going to be this you know low twos ERA kind of pitcher that we've seen in the past? I think those days are probably behind us. Yep. All right. Uh, I don't want to gloss over what uh, Miles Michaelis did in that on the other side against uh, Shane McClanahan. I also heard. This game was less than two hours. So that's what happens when you have two pitchers that are just dealing on both sides. It's like an hour and 54 minutes. Bonkers. Mm -hmm. uh, but Miles Michael is awesome. Uh, after two rough outings in a row, uh, he gives up two runs over eight innings pitched, nine strikeouts against Tampa Bay. The innings and the strikeouts were both season highs for Miles Michaelis. He drops his ERA down to 2.93, and he's done a great job this season limiting hard contact and limiting the walk, Scott. Um, yeah, I think he's, you know, we know who Miles Michaelis is when he's going right. This is what it looks like. Um, but I do think that he is more, tr much more trustworthy than we've seen the past couple of years for Michaelis. Well, it's easy to say that after a start like this. The previous two starts were pretty bad. But he is at a 293 ERA overall. It's, he, it's a difficult profile for me to get behind because not a big strikeout guy, not a big ground ball guy. How, what, does he, what does he do to prevent runs? And, you know, you could say, oh, it's weak contact. Well, his XERA, which is primarily a reflection of that, is not that low. He's, he's greatly performing his expected ERA. And, you know, I, I think... I think... Miles Michaelis best this season is already behind him. That doesn't mean he can't occasionally turn in a great start, but 
I don't know, maybe now's a good time to sell high on him. I don't have a lot of confidence that he's going to be much more than a streamer type over the long run. I would agree that if you can try to cash out and sell high on Miles Michaelis, I would. Chris said something recently where, look, if you don't get strikeouts, you have to find a way to excel somewhere else. And 1.8 walks per nine, I mean, that that is elite level control. So that's something that I think stands out. And you mentioned the XERA entering Thursday was 3.61. Even if he was a 3.61 ERA pitcher, Scott, I mean, that's that's pretty serviceable. Yeah, well, that... A non-strikeout guy with a mid to high three ZRA is yeah. is a streamable pitcher. Sure. You know, it's yep. Merrill Kelly ish. <laughs> Merrill He's Kelly, the we'll ultimate t- streamer pitcher. We'll talk about Merrill Kelly a little bit later on. Uh, Michaelis in line for it looks like two starts next week: the Pirates and the Red Sox. I assume we start him there, right, Scotty? Yeah. Do I have him on my two star pitcher list? Mm, uh, you don't, but CBS does. So mm. I'm going to trust you more, Scott. Well, that's the idea. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so either if, way, if, it, if he is a two-star pitcher, sure, go with Michaelis. If he's not, then uh, I think even if he doesn't have two starts, his one start will be against Pittsburgh. So yeah, obviously. that's what I have him for. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's a weird situation with them having a doubleheader Tuesday, so that's why there's some disagreement there. But it would be against the Pirates. So yeah, I, I mean, I I want to go as far as to call Michaelis must start, but most people who have him will probably want to start him. All right. I did want to mention a few other pitcher struggles behind Corbin Burns and Garrett Cole. Obviously, these guys are not quite aces, but you know they're still very good pitchers. Dylan Cease gives up six unearned runs against the Dodgers, where he did have eight strikeouts, three more walks. The walks are just getting out of control for Dylan Cease. 4.7 walks per nine on the season now. That is, that's just rough. That is, uh, that's, it's hard to be a, a, serviceable fantasy pitcher when you walk that many, uh, but he still had 20 swinging strikes uh, against one of the best lineups in baseball. Again, all those runs were unearned. There was an error made by uh, Jake Berger, which snowballed into a bunch of hits and runs after that. Tyler Anderson on the other side uh, proves that he is human after all. He gives up four runs over three innings pitched in this one and uh, just didn't really have the changeup, which has been his best pitch all season long. Uh, anything here, Scott? Uh, Dylan Cease and... Tyler Anderson in this start? This wasn't Tyler Anderson's first bad start. So, you know, the improvement we've seen from his changeup and him getting a lot of swings and misses that he's never gotten before, I wouldn't abandon him based on this. It was a really favorable matchup and he didn't come through and that happens sometimes. But I'm I'm not going to abandon ship on Tyler Anderson. And, yeah, Dylan sees. I mean, it's still a 314 ERA, ton of strikeouts. He's erratic. But you kind of knew that going in, right? There was hope he'd take a step forward this year. Doesn't look like he's ready to do that yet. So, you know, you just kind of have to take the good with the bad with him. And I I think the good still outweighs the bad. Mm -hmm. I agree. I, this is probably unfair to say, but kind of reminds me of a young Robbie Ray, Dylan Cease. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, at one point, Robbie Ray just fell off a cliff. And and so that, you know, we're, we're going back to Robbie Ray first starting. Uh, well, I think he technically started with the Tigers, but he first became a fantasy entity with the Diamondbacks. And, and yeah, he had a few years there at the start of his career where he was good, but not great and got a lot of strikeouts. And 
I, I think that's probably where Dylan Cease is too. So yeah, I think that comparison makes sense. I'll point out for Tyler Anderson, uh, just kind of beware when you have left-handed pitchers going up against the White Sox because overall their lineup has not been great this year, but they have the second highest weighted on base average against left-handed pitching this season. They struggle. I think they're second or third lowest against righties. So just keep that in mind for the White Sox. Before we hit the break, I want to remind you that Fantasy Baseball Today is here to help you dominate your league all season long, but now you can represent your favorite podcast with official Fantasy Baseball Today gear only found on the CBS Sports Store. Discover t-shirts, mugs, sweatpants, laser engraved pint glasses, hats like the one I'm wearing right now if you're watching on YouTube, water bottles, and more to remind your buddies how you got the inside scoop to crush the competition. Right now, Fantasy Baseball Today listeners will get 20% off orders when they use this podcast ex- exclusive code Fantasy Baseball 20 during checkout. That's Fantasy Baseball 20, and it's only available for our listeners. Head on over to store.cbsports.com slash collection slash fantasy baseball today. It's such a long link, but you can find it in the podcast and the YouTube description and go over there now. Shop. And if you want to hear about prospects, we will be talking about them on our Saturday episode of Fantasy Baseball Today in 5. It's our five-minute podcast. Download and follow wherever you listen to this podcast. Let's take a break, and we'll be back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The news and notes. Mike Trout has now missed two straight games with left groin tightness, but isn't expected to require a trip to the IL. I'll believe it when I see it. White Sox GM Rick Hahn said that Eloy Jimenez had his rehab assignment paused due to, quote, normal leg soreness. Normal leg soreness. Okay. He'll start up a new rehab assignment next week. And uh, Scott, you know, I'm just starting to get frustrated with Eloy Jimenez. I can never quit. This is another one of my guys. Eloy, Nathaniel Lowe, Andres Jimenez. I just can't quit him. Yeah. But I'm getting frustrated with all these injuries now. It is frustrating. Yeah. It is. Because he keeps getting hurt while rehabbing the initial injury. Yeah. But what are you going to do other than wait it out? (sighs) That's a good question. Tyler Stevenson left Thursday's game after a foul ball went off his bare right hand, and then we find out afterwards that he's going to miss four to six weeks with a fractured right thumb, which means if you have Tyler Stevenson, you probably want to go add Gabriel Moreno right now because he is, I believe, still widely available. Uh, Scott, your thoughts on uh, Gabriel Moreno? You weren't on the podcast yesterday. Yeah, it's exciting. Another, you know, we've seen a big influx in talent at the catcher position recently. So there's not as much need there as there might've been a month ago, you know, between MJ Melendez and, and I guess William Contreras's playing time has kind of dropped off a bit. So I don't even know whether to include him anymore, but obviously Alejandro Kirk took a, took a big leap forward. And now a, a guy who a lot of publications had as a top 10 prospect overall gets the call only one home run in the minors this year. He hit for more power last year, but a great hit tool. I mean, it it it's 
It's a lot like Alejandro Kirk. Alejandro Kirk's numbers were a, a little more comical in terms of how low the strikeout rate was in the minors and has continued to be in the majors. But Moreno is another catcher who should hit for average with enough power that he'll be must start if it all goes right. I mean, obviously we've seen Adley Rushman who's, you know, as good as a catcher prospect gets and he struggled in the early going. And we've seen a lot of high end prospects struggle with their first chance recently. So there are no guarantees here, but enough that I'm going to rank him as a top 12 catcher. I mean, there, there aren't, there aren't many useful catchers. So I think that's easy to do right now in the hopes that Moreno makes good right away. And I don't worry about the playing time situation with Kirk because they had already, there was already, uh, 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 he and Kirk and, and, and Danny Jansen themselves where it managed to coexist and get enough playing time between the two of them. So the Blue Jays already have a blueprint for this. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't worry about playing time. I think they'll, find enough creative ways between the DH and catcher to get uh, both Moreno and Kirk in the lineup consistently. I was going to save MJ Melendez for later on when we talk about waiver wire hitters, uh, but he went one for two with two walks, hit his fifth home run on Thursday. He's 62% rostered. So if you lost Stevenson, if you play in a one catcher league, yeah. um, MJ Melendez could be available for you. And, and, and I would, and I would go for him over Moreno. I agree. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just going to say. So. I agree. I, we're in agreement there, Scotty. MJ Melendez over Gabriel Moreno. Brandon Woodruff resumed throwing off a mound on Thursday. He's currently on the IL with an ankle injury. Dave Roberts said on Thursday that Clayton Kershaw could start Saturday against the Giants. The other day, I think they said Sunday, but either way, it sounds like Kershaw is going to return this weekend. Andrew Kittredge was placed on the IL and needs surgery to remove a loose body in his elbow and is expected to miss at least one month. And I believe this is the same injury that Shane Boz had. And it took him much longer than a month to return. So, yeah, starting pitcher versus relief pitcher. But a month is, is the most optimistic timetable for Kittredge, I would say. And who knows what could change between now and then. We saw Jason Adam get his second save uh, following Shane McClanahan. McClanahan took the first eight innings, Adam took the last one. And Jason Adam, you know, he didn't. He didn't get a single save chance when Kittredge was out previously, but he has been the Rays' best reliever this year. 0.72 ERA, 0.64 whip, 10.9 strikeouts per nine innings. Mm -hmm. So I hope he gets the majority of the chances, but who knows with the way Kevin Cash manages that bullpen. The Rays already have seven different relievers with a save this season, including four who have three or more so it's it's been the race it's been tough to figure out uh colin poche is someone they've been using he's a lefty doesn't get a bunch of strikeouts but the numbers look pretty good so far this season uh, i i agree that i think jason adam is their most talented reliever right now but i'm sure they're gonna mix and match a bunch because that's what tampa bay does the baby goat is back tyler mcgill will be activated to start friday against the angels Let's say you play in a daily lineup league, Scott. Would you uh would you throw McGill out there his first start back? I generally advise against that. Yeah. Who did you say the matchup was? The Angels. The Angels? Could be without Mike Trout. Yeah. Yeah, I'd uh I'd try not to. I well, you said a daily lineup league, right? Yeah. Mm. If Mike Trout is out of the lineup, I would say yes, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. 
Christian Walker was diagnosed with a facial contusion after getting hit in the head by a pitch on Thursday and hope he's all right because he's been pretty awesome. Not batting average-wise, but lots of power. <laughs> Aroldis Chapman is scheduled to throw a bullpen session on Saturday. He's on the IL with Achilles tendonitis, and Clay Holmes picked up his ninth save of the season on Thursday. Andrew Heaney allowed two hits and struck out five over four and a third scoreless innings at AAA on Thursday. Noah Syndergaard will not start this weekend against the Mets, opting to give him extra rest. And Scott, this is a real issue. You know, we don't really talk about it much. We mentioned it a few times with Otani and if you're ever thinking about using him as a pitcher. But the Angels pitchers just rarely get two starts in a given week. Mm -hmm. And it's frustrating for fantasy. Yeah, they're probably the team that most consistently goes six-man because of Otani. And look, they just replaced their manager. So tendencies could change. But I think... uh, I I don't really think that's going to happen. So... I, they do have an off day in the middle of next week. Uh, so I, they they may actually go around without a six, just with five guys. But now they're skipping center guard. So I don't know. The throws, that throws my work I've done here. This table of all the probable pitchers that throws <laughs> it into chaos, Frank. Oh, I'm sorry, Scott. Uh, by the way, the Angels, they have done it. They ended their 14-game losing streak on the back of Otani, I mean, what more can you ask a player to do? He goes seven innings, and he also hits a two-run homer. He is amazing. Uh, what else do we have here? Sonny Gray will throw an extended bullpen session on Friday. He's on the IL with a right pectoral strain. Eduardo Rodriguez threw four scoreless innings in a rehab start at AAA on Thursday. Let's get into week 11, and we'll start with the schedule, which is pretty spread out for next week. One team with five games, that is the Dodgers, Obviously, they have a lot of awesome players, so I think for the most part, you'll get your Freddie Freemans, your Trey Turners in there. What about Muncie, Scott? Would you use Muncie in a five-game week? Well, let's see how the weekend goes. He hits more home runs and doubles, then yes. If he looks like Max Muncie, then yes. If he struggles, then, you know, it probably wouldn't be one of those roto leagues, one of those deep lineup leagues where you could even think about setting him. But if you play in one of those, then, you know, and, and he has, and he looks bad over the weekend and they have this five game schedule, then you could think about sitting him. I think Justin Turner and Cody Bellinger are probably pretty fringy as well. Yep. Five games on the schedule. next. I week. would agree. They have 17 teams. They, who's they, I don't know. Major league baseball, 17 teams with six games next week, nine teams with seven games and three lucky teams have eight games That is the Phillies, the Mariners, and the Nationals. Before we get to two-star pitchers to add, let's take a look at some fringy options. Go rapid fire with these. Uh, Obviously, we're starting Shane Bieber, Scott, but I just wanted to point out he's at the Rockies and at the Dodgers. I mean, can it get worse (laughs) in a given week for a starting pitcher? Which probably means he's going to throw like seven innings, 10 strikeouts, you know, eight innings, Four stri- or six strikeouts. Two great starts. Bieber. That's what I'm predicting. Bold prediction. Shane Bieber dominates <laughs> this week. Fortune favors the brave. Uh, Shane Bieber, by the way, Scott, you look at the overall numbers, he kind of looks like Shane Bieber all of a sudden. I mean, he's he's been really good again recently. So, Yeah, the strikeouts have not been where they were for Shane Bieber in his prime. But more, right. but more recently, we've seen them tick up, and he's over yeah. a strikeout per inning again, and everything else looks great. So... 
not a lot of concerns there about him rest of season. We've we've said before, we've been saying basically since his first start that he may not be top five anymore, but he's still probably top 15. And I think that's that's playing out like we said. All right, let's take a look at Chris Bassett. He's going through a rough stretch right now, Scott. He's got the Brewers and the Marlins next week. The Brewers and the Marlins for Chris Bassett, I mean, yeah, you, you start him. All right, what about Corey Kluber, who one good, one bad. He's at the Yankees, at the Orioles. I lean yes on that one. He's been pretty reliable this year. How about Blake Snell at the Cubs and at the Rockies? Yikes. I would leave him for points leagues. I think there's too too much potential for damage to your team's whip in any kind of categories league. All right, I wrote Steven Strasburg here, but we'll just skip him for now. Uh, Adrian Hauser at the Mets and at the Reds. No. And Yusei Kikuchi, who I think is still over 60% rostered, he's not been good, and he's going up against the Orioles and the Yankees. I could do it in points leagues, but I wouldn't recommend it anywhere else. All right, let's get into some two-star pitchers to add and stream. Who do you have, Scotty? So Zach Eflin, who pitched on Thursday and wasn't his best. He went four innings, allowed one run, three walks, two strikeouts. It was okay. He had eight shutout innings last time. Of course, a couple turns ago, he had that 12 strikeout effort against the Dodgers. He's been kind of up and down this year, but the matchups for Zach Eflin this week, he gets the Marlins and the Nationals, two favorable matchups. And so hopefully he can deliver two good two of those good starts in a row. You know, even if they're just okay, I think it'll have been worth your while in a two-start week. Alex Wood, who we saw finally deliver a good start. The underlying numbers have been decent all along, but too many base runners and short outings. That's kind of been what Alex Wood's been doing this year prior to Wednesday start. Well, he gets the Royals and Pirates this week. Can two very, very favorable matchups. I think that makes him worth using. Merrill Kelly coming off a good start. He gets the Reds and the Twins. So-so those matchups, but to get that extra start in there, I'd, I'd go for it. Josiah Gray, he's been getting a lot more whiffs recently, using a slider more. Matchups aren't great, Braves and Phillies, and of course he's vulnerable to the long ball. But I would still recommend him this week. If you want to go a little deeper, Alex Faedo is only 17% rostered. He gets the White Sox and Rangers, so you got to like those matchups. And yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Alex Faedo. Those matchups, I agree, Scott. Uh, Rangers, 27th in weighted on base average against righties. The White Sox are 28th against right-handed pitching. So I really do like both of those matchups for Alex Faito. Fortune favors the Brave. You probably should not use this pitcher or pitchers that we're about to mention. But if you just, if you need a little extra something next week, you want to take a shot, then you should use this pitcher. Actually, don't. Uh, (laughs) I am debating a veteran pitcher, Scott, Uh and a younger pitcher who has his underlying numbers. I'm looking at them now. They're kind of interesting, actually. Yeah, let's go with him. Brady Singer. Fortune favors the Brave. He's got to make it through the Giants start. His first start at San Francisco. Obviously a good venue to pitch in. And then he's at Oakland. 
So if he can just be okay against the Giants, you really love that matchup against the Oakland A's. I don't think Brady Singer is actually good, but if you're feeling bold and you're feeling brave, Singer is my pick. Who do you have? Fortune favors the braid. I don't know why I said that. Sorry. Uh, so I'm actually not going to pick Steven Strasburg, although I think he he meets the spirit of this exercise. Sure. I am going to go with the guy who I resisted saying just a minute ago when I was giving my two start sleepers. Oh, I know who it is. I know exactly who it is. It's Mitch Keller. Yep, I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. I don't know how much you guys got into Mitch Keller yesterday. Completely changed his pitch mix. <laughs> yeah, he's... And in a way, that sounds very encouraging. So he... It, it's been like three or four starts now where he started throwing a sinker and, and has actually made it his primary pitch. You know, we, there was all the, the hoopla in the offseason in this spring about that work he did with Tread Athletics or whatever the, the workout facility was and getting his velocity in the high 90s. And, okay, that was going to allow him to take off. Didn't work out that way. He still walked too many guys. The contact he allowed is, was still too damaging. But this sinker is not something he just started doing on a whim. This this was an analytical decision. Uh, the properties of the pitch were analyzed by Tread Athletics and signed off on by the pitching coach. And he uh, he gets a lot of movement with it. It's, it's, it's been a more difficult pitch for hitters to square up. He still needs to be in the strike zone with it, but he was in his most recent start against the Tigers on Wednesday. It was an impressive start. He got a lot of Got a lot of swinging strikes with the slider, which itself is a new pitch this year. It's that sweeper that everybody was talking about at the start of the year uh, that a number of pitchers are turning to. And his matchups this week aren't actually that great, the Cardinals and the Giants. But yeah, if if you're feeling brave, you want to take a... You, you like that narrative I just gave you? <laughs> you want to take a shot on Mitch Keller again? You know, could work out. We'll see. All right, Mitch Keller for Scott and uh, Brady Singer for me. How about some single-start streamers? Okay, single-start streamers. Jeffrey Springs is still 70, only 74% rostered, so he's that, that rate is rising to a point where we can't really name him in this section anymore, but it's not there yet, and he gets the Orioles this week, so that's a pretty easy call. Spencer Strider, I'm going to keep beating the drum for him think he gets a start this weekend so you know maybe maybe if that one's bad too i'll back off him a bit but there were some extenuating circumstances in his first two starts the stuff still looked really good and he gets the nationals that's a favorable matchup tyler malley at the diamondbacks he has three quality starts in a row he looked particularly good here on thursday striking out 10 over six innings against the diamondbacks he faces the diamondbacks again so it's a good matchup. I, I don't love that he's, you know, the same lineup gets to see him twice in a row, but Malley's looking like he's back on track. And a couple more here. Ranger Suarez against the Nationals coming off a good start. And Graham Ashcraft against the Brewers. So-so matchup there, but he has he has uh, been dominant 
without getting a lot of strikeouts, getting a lot of ground balls instead. And hopefully that continues. All right. Uh, the one thing I'll point out with Malley, uh, obviously in his career, he's been much better on the road than pitching in Great American Ballpark. So th- that start is at Arizona. So I think that's one more feather in the cap if you want to start Malley next week. The hitter matchups. Let's take a look. The best ones for next week. We've got the Padres, the Mariners, the Phillies, the Blue Jays, and the Tigers. The worst hitter matchups. The Dodgers, Mets, Orioles, Yankees, and the Angels. I don't know why I just flipped those two. The Angels are fourth. The Yankees are fifth. All right, Scott. Some sleeper hitters for next week. So it turns out a lot of those... Pickups we've been potential pickups we've been talking about this week happen to have the right matchups to make this list. Bryson Stott, he uh, you mentioned the Phillies have the third best matchups. I like him for this week. Luis Garcia with the Nationals being one of those teams with eight games, I think it's a good time to get him in the lineup as well as Lane Thomas, who I don't think has as much upside, but he's been red hot. So take advantage of those eight games. And unlike last year and most of his career, he's actually been he's actually hit righties better than lefties this year, has Thomas. So that makes it less of a matchups concern. My favorite sleeper overall this week, though, might actually be Santiago Espinal of the Blue Jays, who has been piling up multi-hit games recently. High line dr- drive rate has been hitting for some power too. And and obviously good lineup context there with the Blue Jays who have the fourth best matchups this week. The Rockies are at home for the whole week. So, of course, Connor Joe, Randall Gritchick are on this on this list, as always happens when the Rockies are at home. Uh, the Reds aren't among the teams with the most favorable matchups, but they're pretty good, the matchups. Only six games, which is why they didn't make the cut. But facing some weak pitchers, so Brandon Drury who was back in the lineup after dealing with a a minor injury on Thursday. He was back in the lineup Friday. And Tommy Pham are both good options. Let's move on to some other waiver wire hitters. I was going to mention Gavin Lux, but they only have five games next week, so I think uh, we will probably stay away from that. But he has quietly gotten the batting average up to 290. That is uh, Gavin Lux. Just kind of empty. You know, there's no power... Runs a little bit. Eh, eh, eh. It's Gavin Lux. Eh. Jesus Sanchez, I wanted to mention, Scott. He went two for four, hit his eighth home run on Thursday, and he is heating back up. His last 18 games, 296 batting average, five homers, strikeouts down a little bit. He's barreling up the ball. I kind of just think this is who Jesus Sanchez is going to be. He's obviously still young. Maybe he develops more consistency, you know, the more experience that he gains, but I kind of just think he's going to be a streaky hitter. And by season's end, like he's probably going to have around 25 home runs. But right now, he is in one of those good streaks. He's 52% rostered. Yeah, I wish his matchups were better than they are because it'd be nice to take advantage of that hot streak. Let's see, every pitcher... All righties next every, week. Yeah, all righties The Marlins are scheduled to face. So that helps too because he's, he's done nothing against lefties. He's 5 for 38 against lefties. All the damage has come against righties. So... You know, it's still not a bad time to start Jesus Sanchez, particularly in those five outfielder leagues. But I agree, he's just he's not a disciplined enough hitter to be steady, at least not at this stage of his career. Stephen Kwan showing some signs of life. Last two games, five hits, two steals. 
that's where Stephen Kwan can have value. He doesn't hit the ball very hard. He does make a lot of contact. Maybe he turns out to be a 270 hitter, but if he's starting to run more on a team that typically runs in the Cleveland Guardians, then he might have some value in doing that. So I don't think you need to add him yet, but let's see if if Stephen Kwan continues to run. Oscar Gonzalez, someone we've talked a lot about recently, he went four for four with a double. He's now batting 404 early on for uh, on the season. He's 14% rostered. I think in deeper leagues, 15 team leagues, five outfielder leagues, Oscar Gonzalez is kind of interesting. I, I do like him. The other name here, Scott. Yeah, he, he opens next week at Coors Field too. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Oscar Gonzalez, I'm uh, all about it. Let's go. Uh, Jack Sawinski is quietly doing things for the Pirates. He now has an eight-game hitting streak. He's got three homers over his last five games. He's only 5% rostered, so widely available. Uh, He has a 13% barrel rate. I thought that was kind of interesting, and it's probably going to go up after hitting another home run. And last year in the minors, 262 batting average, 19 homers, 11 steals, 868 OPS. What do you think, Scott, about Jack Sawinski with the Pirates? He's interesting. He's interesting. I I think the odds are against him being an impact player. You know, even even coming off those numbers that he put up in the minors last year, he barely made the cut in the the Tigers' top thirty prospects for Baseball America. Pirates. Yes, I think the Pirates. Yeah. Pirates top thirty prospects for Baseball America, and it's you know it's it's just it. If he got on base a lot last year, he hasn't been doing it in the majors this year. So it, it does seem like maybe there's you know, if if he if he's if he's going to be somebody who gets on base, then obviously that makes his path much easier. A corner man who doesn't get on base needs to hit for a lot of power or a lot even more contact to to carve out a regular role in the majors. Uh, so I'd like to see Sawinski start walking more. Also, overall, he hasn't hit the ball hard that consistently. But he, he bears watching. And I don't think he's a priority pickup off the waiver wire. I'd certainly rather take a flyer on somebody like Oscar Gonzalez instead. But there's a chance Sawinski makes something of himself. Mm-hmm. The home run that he hit on Thursday was off of Max Free, lefty on lefty. And against right-handed pitching, I noticed uh, Sawinski... His past two games was batting third in the Pirates lineup. Not a great lineup, but could pre- present more um, RBI opportunities for Jack Sawinski. Just a name in deeper leagues. Some pitching leftovers. Let's take a look at uh, Trevor Rogers. An okay start. He was kind of cruising and then it fell apart in the fifth inning. But uh, he gives up two runs over five innings. Had five strikeouts. 14 swinging strikes. You like to see that. Seven on the fastball. Seven on the changeup. He only allowed three hard hit balls. The roster rate Scott for Rogers down to 72%, which I understand he's been very bad. Um, he's at the Phillies next week. I don't think that I would start him in that matchup, but I think if someone dropped Trevor Rogers in my league, I would want to add him just to see where it goes. Yeah. The changeups looked a lot better. His, uh, well, there's a course field start where basically nothing went right, but eliminating the course field start, the changeup has looked much better in his last two outings. 50% whiff rate in this one. And, you know, even last year, I think it was more like a 33% whiff rate, which is, you know, still good, especially for how often he throws the changeup. But remember, that pitch just had 
nothing going for it early on. So if 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 Trevor Rogers has reclaimed that, then the rest of his season could go well. He needs to start going deeper than five innings into his starts. But if 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 he was all the way back, then he wouldn't be as affordable as he is. All right. A trio of pitchers I wanted to highlight. Max Fried now has nine quality starts over his last 10 outings. This one up against the Pirates, where he gives up one run over six innings with eight strikeouts to zero walks. The ERA is down to 2.64. Nick Pavetta posts a season-high 11 strikeouts over five-plus innings at the Angels. And Shohei Otani gets back on track. He had a few rough starts. Uh, He allows one run over seven innings against the Red Sox. He had six strikeouts, 18 swinging strikes on 100 pitches. Scott, anything you would like to add on Freed, Pavetta, and Otani? Pavetta got all those strikeouts, but it was his worst worst start in his last seven. Uh, he had allowed a combined six earned runs in the other six, and then he gave up. Uh, how many was it in this one? Two. two. Oh, it was just two. It was a lot of base runners, though. Oh, uh, you know what? It yeah. might have, it might have been three. He left allowing two runs, and then I think yeah, okay, actually yeah, it was four because he okay, left. Okay, yeah, I, I thought. <laughs> Yeah, I was relying on your notes, Frank. Ah. No, I thought it was worse than that. <laughs> yeah, well, so it wasn't a great start overall for Pavetta. And only 11 swinging strikes to get those 11 strikeouts, so I don't think he's, like, unlocked anything. I think he's kind of like I was saying for Michaelis. He's been on a nice run to begin the year, but is, is ultimately going to be, a, a, like, a streamer type, I think. And, yeah, a lot of swinging strikes for Brubaker. That tends to happen against the Braves. I've noticed I don't have exactly where they rank in terms of swinging strike rate as a team, but I, I, I noticed pitchers kind of like underwhelming pitchers enjoy a significant bump and bump in swinging strikes against them. The Braves have the highest K percentage against right-handed pitching this season. There you go. That will help. Yeah. Uh, Brubaker 16 swinging strikes in this seven inning outing against the Braves. He's 9% rostered. Don't think you need to add him, but, Someone to watch. Uh, some hitting leftovers. No Joe Girardi. No problem. The Phillies have won seven games in a row. Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber each hit their 15th home runs. And uh, Kyle Schwarber, his last nine games, he's batting 343 with five homers. So you'll love to see it. The beefcake. He's almost back. Charlie Blackman went three for five with two doubles. And he is now batting 260 overall. His last 13 games, Blackman is batting 363, three homers, 12 RBI. I don't think that there is a lot of upside anymore, Scott, but uh, Charlie Blackman has kind of rekindled a little bit of a power stroke here. I notice his isolated power is back up. He's already got nine homers, and he's just on pace for, uh, I think, over 20 homers again, which you know would make him fantasy relevant. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's 92% rostered, so I'd say he's he already is fantasy relevant, and that. you got to like him with the full week of home games as well. For sure. Jazz Chisholm went two for four, but, you know, I I felt like I looked down for a second, Scott, and Jazz's batting average is down to 255. And I just looked into what's going on with him. His last 14 games, he's batting 140 with a 34% strikeout rate. The average exit velocity is down to 87 miles per hour during that time, and he's hitting a lot of ground balls. So now is where we find out what is Jazz Chisholm made of. What Does he make <laughs> the adjustments, you know, to... uh put the ball in the air again and make contact. So it's going to be yep. interesting to watch. Yeah. He's that guy this year where 
I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical. <laughs> you move them up. Finally, I'm like, okay, it's the real deal. And then as soon as I do that, he he does what I expected him to do in the first place. Jazz Chisholm is who I thought he was. I'm sorry, Scott. Joey Gallo. I let him off the hook. <laughs> Joey Gallo hit a double dong. He's now up to eight home runs. There are some signs of him coming around, but if you listen, you know how I feel about Joey Gallo. I lowered uh, Byron Buxton in my rankings yesterday, Scott, and what happens? He hits a double dong today, and all of a sudden, he's got four homers over his last six games, and he's coming back around, so... Maybe he's getting healthier. I hope so. Bobby Witt Jr. went two for three with two more steals. He's now up to 10 steals for the season. And I have moved him up to my sixth ranked third baseman, Scott, in both Roto and head-to-head points. He is ahead of Alex Bregman. And I think it's warranted because uh, Bobby Witt has been pretty good. I'd keep Bregman ahead in points. Myself. Because that strikeout-to-walk ratio is so good for Bregman. He, He gets so many points just off that. But yeah, on Roto, I can understand Wit with all the steals. He's a hundredth percentile in sprint speed, which I, I think means he has the top sprint speed. He's the fastest guy yeah. in the majors, according to Statcast. He is ridiculously fast. <laughs> he is he's a blur on, on the screen. It's crazy. And I think he's also ninety-sixth percentile in max exit velocity. So that combination of power and speed is just Awesome. Carlos Santana. I I don't really want to highlight Carlos Santana, but he's doing his best to keep Vinny Pasquantino down because in five June games, he's batting eight for 17 with one home run. So, yep. Pasquantino has kind of cooled off too, Ah. which doesn't help. Ah. Doesn't help. He'll he'll get hot again. I know. know, I know. But it's just, you know, bad timing. What are the Royals doing, Scott? I mean, they have the worst record in baseball. It's, uh, come on, man. Like, let's yeah, see. They've usually, they've usually been pretty aggressive about promoting prospects, too. So I'm yeah. I'm surprised. But for the end of the month, Pasquantino will be up. Bold prediction. All right. The call to the bullpen. Let's start with the Diamondbacks. Mark Melanson pitched in the eighth inning with the D-backs down 3-1. to one, And then they took a 5-3 lead in the ninth inning. Ian Kennedy comes in. He pitches the ninth. And he... Gave up a run himself, picks up his fourth save. Scott, what I think happened here was they wanted to get Melanson work. They were down in the game. They pitch him in the eighth inning. I don't think that this is like a changing of the closer role, but maybe I'm wrong. I agree. I don't think so either, but maybe I'm wrong. (laughs) I don't don't have much more to add there. All right. For the Rockies, Alex Calme picked up his third save. Daniel Bard had worked back-to-back days. For the Marlins, Tanner Scott struck out two for his third save. Cole Soser pitched on Tuesday and Sunday. So Mm -hmm. I think he would have been available, but he just hasn't been good. So Mm -hmm. I'm thinking in deeper category leagues, Scott, Tanner Tanner Scott is only 2% rostered. Yeah, and I put in some bids for him this weekend in those 15-team Roto Leagues. Got him in one. Mm. Tout Wars. Happy for that. Because I had a feeling the Marlins were leaning this way. He got he got their previous save, too. He has both of their saves in June. Does Tanner Scott. And his last four appearances, all in June, he has been the last pitcher to pitch for the Marlins. Twice for the save and twice for a win. He entered in, I think, a tie game each time. Marlins scored to make when he was the pitcher of record. So they've, they've been using him like a closer all month. 
and he certainly has the strikeout rate of a closer. Walks too many guys. Yep. But, you know, ultimately we care about the usage more than anything. And Tanner Scott is, I think, emerging as the front runner there. I think he's, rather than speculating on anybody in the Rays bullpen, you should you should put in a claim for Tanner Scott if you're looking for saves. I agree. For the Braves, Kenley Jansen had two strikeouts, picked up his 16th save. For the Royals, Scott Barlow recorded the final four outs for his sixth save. And then for the Twins, uh, Yuan Duran entered in the seventh with the game tied. He gave up two runs on four hits, and I believe he took the loss in that game. To stream or not to stream for the weekend, let's start with Friday. Spencer Strider versus the Pirates. Rowanzi Contreras at the Braves. Bruce Zimmerman at the Royals, Glenn Otto at the White Sox, and Jacob Junis versus the Dodgers. Come on, Spencer Strider. This has got to be the time. Got to be the time for him. Has to be. that trip to Coors Field last week, and I think the first start was against the Diamondbacks, right? Man, we knew he wasn't going to go that deep first start coming out of the bullpen after coming out of the bullpen previously. So, yeah, Strider, bet on the upside there. My second choice here would be Glenn Otto against the White Sox just because the matchup is so favorable. All right. Uh, yeah, Contreras, look, the Braves are hot right now. He could get some strikeouts, but uh, yeah, I could. think I would pass. get swingy strikes, if nothing else. Yeah. For Saturday, we have Madison Bumgarner at the Phillies, Tyler Wells at the Royals, Michael Waka at the Mariners. Not many options for Saturday. Don't like that. No. Just pass. Hard pass. I agree, and there's some interesting names for Sunday here, so let's go there. Cole Irvin at the Guardians, Ross Stripling at the Tigers, Brad Keller versus the Orioles, Edward Cabrera at the Astros, John Gray at the White Sox, Graham Ashcraft at the Cardinals, and Dakota Hudson versus the Reds. So the good pitchers have bad matchups. Yeah. I like Stripling at the Tigers. I could get behind that. I don't know. I don't know. I, I would say from this list, I prefer Edward Cabrera, Graham Ashcraft. Those are the two with the not-so-great matchups, but I just think they're good pitchers. And the a bad matchup, I, I mean, a, a good matchup for a not-so-good pitcher is Brad Keller against the Orioles. I think I prefer all three of them to, to Stripling. Maybe even Dakota Hudson against the Reds. Yeah, I think Hudson's kind of interesting too. So, not bad. Uh, Sunday is... A, a solid streaming day if you need it. We're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.